Good afternoon, podcast listeners. This is Rob Plouffe. Welcome back to Mid-Michigan Bowling News, the podcast for bowlers in the greater Flint area and the state of Michigan. Okay, welcome to podcast number 21. This is my first mobile podcast. I'm actually live here at Richfield Bowl with uh, proprietor Jim Tuber. Um, I started these podcasts when the coronavirus started in mid-March, and I've been doing them from my basement, uh, every single one of them. So this is the first time I have been out of the house. Um, thank, thank you to the governor of Michigan who is finally allowing bowling alleys to reopen with a lot of restrictions, unfortunately, but um, I spoke to Mr. Tuber yesterday. He told me a lot of things that contradict a lot of uh, rumors that I've been hearing. So I said, let's do a podcast. Let's get the facts out there so people can hear it. And hopefully uh, bowlers will listen to this and they'll get an idea of what's coming here in the next few weeks and next few months for Bowling League. So welcome, Jim. This is the second time you've been with me now. Appreciate you sitting down with me. And uh, I would like you to just go ahead and start telling me what you told me yesterday about your plans for Richfield Bowl and your leagues and tournaments, and we'll touch on some high school bowling as we get going. Okay, well, we've, uh, uh, as you indicated, since the coronavirus started, we've been shut down, um, anxiously awaiting uh, an opportunity to reopen, but at the same time, guidance for, uh, you know, what we were going to need to do to be able to reopen and to do it safely. And obviously, we can draw some parallels to the restaurants and what we're seeing there and those kinds of things. But, but uh, you know, we, we needed to wait a little bit to see w- what our restrictions were going to be and, and what guidance they gave that was more specific to bowling centers. So one of the things there, you know, uh, obviously in, in today's world that's kind of paramount is the ability to social distance. And so we looked at our concourse spaces and we looked at how our leagues interact um, and, and, and we looked at the executive order. And you know what we did in, in, the, in the bowlers area was we rearranged the tables, uh, we took out a bunch of chairs, and, and we made it so that a team of five could bowl on a, on a pair of lanes and every one of their five people could social distance if they wanted to. Now the, the, you know, uh, the, the order says you, you have to be able to, you have to wear a mask unless you're able to social distance. But remember, we also have a food service license and so we're like a restaurant and no different than a restaurant. Once you come into the bowling center with your mask on and you get to your lane, you, you, you have the opportunity to take your mask off. At that point, it's, it's optional to you, to your teammates. And so we've got chairs and tables set up so that you can social distance, you can stay six feet away. Uh, by the same token, if you live in the same household, you're welcome to sit at the same uh, table. And if you're comfortable with the people that you're there with, again, you're welcome to sit at the same table and, and not have a mask. No different than the local restaurant. You can't have more than 10 people sitting at a table, but that doesn't typically happen anyway. So we don't foresee that being a problem. Um, so the entrance to your bowling center, uh, the first thing I noticed when I walked in is there is a, there's going to be a temperature taking station uh, when people enter. We actually have that more for our employees. Um, but for our open play bowlers, we, we will have 
Um, and and there again, the order kind of uh, doesn't spell that out really well. But but uh, bowling centers are open for organized play. So part of that is obviously knowing who's in the building, having some sort of structure. Um, so we will have uh, uh, for our for our customers who are not part of a regular league, they're going to have to sign in. We need we need to know what time they got here. They'll have to sign a statement saying that they haven't had any of the symptoms, and we'll need to know what time they leave, and we'll know what lane they are on for contact tracing. Those kinds of things. For our league play, most of those things are already built in, um, so we'll be able to do that. We will be taking the temperature of all of our employees on a daily basis. We're not required to do that. Uh, again, we can we can ask ask them the questions, and they can simply sign indicating they don't have any of the symptoms. But how many of us uh, have come you know, developed a temperature and knew it right away? So uh, this way, uh, you know, obviously we want to protect our employees, we want to protect our customers, and, and we're going to do the the things that are obvious that uh, uh, we can do to to do that. And we're pretty confident. I mean, you you know, remember at bowling centers, there's a lot of space, so staying six feet apart. From, from people that you need, you know, that, that you're, you don't live with and that you're not, come, you know, maybe don't, aren't familiar with where they've been, is pretty easy to do. Um, bowling has been open in 47 other states. Uh, Indiana comes to the top of mind. They've been open for more than two months. I've talked to a proprietor there that has four different bowling centers. They've had no problem with uh, um, social distancing. Yeah, and, and their customers getting sick, so. So, uh, there's rumors flying, people are talking like, well, bowling centers can only have 25% uh, or can only be at 25% capacity, which I think a lot of people are taking that as, okay, you have 50 lanes, so you can only use 25% uh, of, of 50. Um, can, you, can you elaborate on what you were telling me yesterday about that's not true? Right. So what 20, when they say 25% capacity, that's really based on... 25% of, of what our occupancy level is, is allowed to be. Again, bowling centers are really large spaces, so we generally can, can uh, accommodate a lot of people at one time. So my uh, occupancy, just for the concourse area here at Richfield Bowl, uh, was calculated at 976 people. 25% of that is, is uh, over 240, which means I technically could put five people to a lane, and I would still be within that 25% parameter. For, you know, we, we want to walk before we run, so our recommendation for our five-person teams is that uh, team one sits on lanes one and two. We've got the table set up so that everybody can social distance if they choose to. And then team two, the team they're bowling against, would sit on lanes three and four. Uh, again, able to, to socially distance. And then uh, our recommended format will be using a, a PBA uh, style where uh, team one will bowl their whole first frame on lane one and sit down and then team two will go up and and bowl their first frame on lane two and immediately go and bowl their second frame on lane one so they'll be bowling two frames at a time that keeps the the team on you know team one pretty much independent and separate from team two at all times even even when they're bowling because uh, you know only one team at a time is up on the lanes even though they'll be, they'll be utilizing both lanes Leagues will have the opportunity to say, you know what, we just want team one to bowl on lane one and team two to bowl on lane three and we'll compare scores, you know, those kind of, you know. Uh, so depending on maybe the, the makeup of the league, the people that are in it, how comfortable they are, the leagues will have options along those lines. But essentially we're looking at utilizing one and two, skipping three and four, 
utilizing five and six, and that'll be for our five-person teams where we need the most amount of space. When we get down to trio leagues, doubles leagues, you can completely social distance. You can have people on every every single lane, and uh, and you're fine. So uh, we did verify with the health department. There's no order that says we have to specifically use every other lane. It's really about our ability to have our customers social distance and and the comfort level of our customers. So. We'll, we'll start out a little conservative, and hopefully as things improve and, and we know more, and, and maybe by the end of the season, if we're lucky, we'll, we'll be able to get back to something more normal. I'm very excited to hear that, because the talk was not, it, it was not sounding good. It's, to me, this sounds really, really good, which is why I wanted to sit down with you today and, uh, and get this word out that Listen, bowling leagues can resume. Um, so what? You're bowling PBA style. We do that in tournaments, anyways. That's that's no big deal. But to be able to bowl against your competition on the same lane, you're going to be bowling on the same shot. Um, there was people. I've heard people saying, "Well, it's not going to be fair if one team is on lane one and the other one's on lane three. But um, you do have that option if you want. But I like. I really like the idea that they're going to be able to bowl in the same pair. I think that's. I think that's going to work out really well. Um, so you're very fortunate here that you have a huge concourse and you can take on a lot of people, but smaller bowling centers not going to have that same luxury. Yeah, right. They're they're still gonna they're still fairly decent in size, um, and and uh, it'll be a little bit tighter, maybe a little bit tougher to to get everybody uh, six feet apart, but it can still be done. Um, you know, maybe a worst case scenario if they had a really small concourse, and, and you and I have been in bowling centers where there are some that are really small, you know, maybe they would have to limit their capacity to four people on a lane. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, for the most part, for most of us, we're going to be able to do something fairly close to normal. Um, you know, most days we weren't full across the house, so being able to, to uh, use uh, some lanes that weren't in use before as the, the lanes with gaps. Hopefully we'll be able to accommodate all of our bowlers. In my case, we've got another location four miles away. Some days we may have to get a little creative and we may need a, a league to bowl partially here and partially there. Um, the, you know, I, I think you, you alluded a little bit earlier. I mean, one of the things that obviously uh, part of human nature, we need to be, a, we're social people. We can't stay locked up in our houses forever. And so to be able to get out to exercise to be at least a little bit social if I can't talk to all five guys on my team at the same time at least I can see them and say hi and uh, uh, start to get back closer to, to normalcy to see cars on the roads after seven o'clock at night and, yeah. and uh, those kinds of things. So uh, what is the capacity of bees? I, I haven't uh, calculated it for certain yet. Um, but I expect that that uh, there will be really close to be able to put, well, I know we'll be able to put four people on a lane. Um, I actually had a fire marshal come in today and he's gonna he's gonna give me the exact calculations and, and uh, just so that we know we're within the, the limit. But um, for the most part, I, I don't really see a problem, especially if we start if we start skipping any lanes, we're gonna have enough space for all of the people that that you know we can so fit in there so this question's for the kids because the tuesday scratch league that denise runs over at bees is has always been i always thought was one of the one of the better leagues for kids um do you foresee that going off as normal because she's been having 
30, 40 kids over there on Tuesdays. Yes, the last few years. you know, easily if we go to if we put two or three people at a lane, we we've got spacing. We can social distance them uh, without any problem and use every lane. So at bees, that would only be seventy two people. So, um, you know, the challenge is. And, and we'll be a little more rigid with the kids, but you know, with adults, it's, you know, we're adults and we have to police ourselves, and we have to do our best to stay six feet apart or at least understand that, that, uh, that you know, um, that's going on. For kids, we're, we'll have to be a little more rigid. We're gonna have to be the, 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 the six foot police a little bit because obviously they're younger, they're, they're less afraid um, of, of this virus and, uh, you know, they may be less at risk, but, but uh, the people they go home to, their parents, their grandparents, um, may still be in the high risk category. So we're going to want to, you know, take extra caution with our youth leagues uh, to, to make sure we help them to recognize the severity of it. But I think realistically, uh, they're getting a lot of that in school right now for the ones who are able to go to school. And so it's, it's going to be a little easier uh, for us to manage uh, by the time we get them in here for their uh, for those leagues. When do you when do you see, uh, for example, the Tuesday scratch league for the kids? When do you see that starting? My guess is the kids are ready. <laughs> oh yeah, they um, are. So it really boils down to us. Um, we're we're planning on holding league meetings uh, with all of our adult leagues next week. That's our primary focus getting them all uh, having their organizational meetings next week, determining, putting that puzzle together of uh, who needs what lanes and uh, making sure that we have enough. Um, and then the following week, uh, the week of the 21st, we're hoping to have most of our adult leagues start uh, as long as they're ready, have enough players. And then we'll probably immediately start looking at youth leagues. Um, I've got to get with Denise. I know I talked to her last week and she said she was really enjoying the extra time off she had this summer. So I might have to twist her arm a little, but, uh, oh, she'll be uh, back. you know, as soon as the snow flies, what are you going to do out in your yard? Yeah. <laughs> That's coming before you know it. So, um, I'm just thinking in my head, I just want to ask this question. I'm trying to think what, what people may be asking, but let's say, uh, Wednesday nights out here at Richfield, I know there's an 18 team men's league. If they go every other pair, you're going to use 36 lanes. What are you going to do with the women's league that bowls next to them? Well, the women's league was eight to 10 teams. Um, so they, they could potentially use Still. another 20 and we, we would run out of lanes. That'd be 56 lanes. What we're hearing from bowling centers across the United States and what we're even in Michigan now, um, on average, we're, we're seeing about a 20 to 25% decline in league bowlers. So chances are that 18 team league is gonna look more like 14. Um, and, uh, and that 10 team league is probably gonna look more like seven or eight. And in most cases, we'll be able to put that puzzle together and fit. Sometimes it's gonna be a little tricky and you know, worst case scenario, we, you know, we might have somebody move to bees or part of them bowl at bees for a while or you know there's always the option of a double shift um, going to three on a team and then you can use every lane so there's you know there's some potential options out there um, it'll it'll definitely be a puzzle and you know we're going to ask our bowlers to focus on the big picture which is just being able to be out and and bowl and socialize and not worry about the little things and having it exactly maybe the way we want um, for the time being, just to, to be able to 
get back out and get active again. And obviously for me as a business owner, uh, you know, we want to try to position ourselves to be able to survive. Um, most bowling, you know, if you look at the number of bowling centers that have closed over the last 20 years, uh, when they could put uh, every bowler in the building they could fit, uh, obviously operating at 50% at capacity uh, or less is not not going to put us in a very solid position. So we've got to be creative. We've got to work through it. Uh, obviously, there's some, some government uh, funding out there. Uh, we were pretty fortunate in our two bowling centers to get a grant through uh, uh, the Flint uh, Chamber of Commerce and, and Consumers Energy, which is going to help to offset some of the costs of of the, the, the PPE stuff, the extra hand sanitizer and all of those things, that, that certainly is going to help uh, that we're not having to absorb all of that cost on our own. And, and uh, uh, you know, we did receive a PPP loan, so that's going to take a little bit of pressure off, buy us a little bit of time, and, uh, you know, hopefully things go well in the next several months and we can at least get uh, back to being closer to normal. I, I don't, uh, I'm not looking for any magic out there. Um, I think we're going to be dealing with this in some capacity for a while, but you know, clearly today the hospitals know, uh, you know, are in a way better position to treat it than they were back in March when it was pretty new to them. So, uh, you know, every day I think uh, we're going to see improvements and um, hopefully we'll keep moving along. Um, as I walked in today, your daughter's out there painting ball racks. I see you guys got some carpet or something out here. It looks like you guys have been cleaning everything. Plexiglass uh, hanging over the bar. So um, I've heard rumors about there not being any food or bar service at bowling alleys. Will you elaborate on that? Yeah, that's a, a really good point. So one of the things uh, in the government, uh, in the in the governor's executive order, was uh, no concessions. Um, we have a food service license. We don't qualify as a concession stand. So a lot of our customers may think of our snack bar as a, as a concession stand, but essentially we have a food service license just like a restaurant, and that part of our business operates under the protocols for restaurants. So we'll, we'll definitely be able to have uh, food service. Um, our bar is like the bar in a restaurant, uh, and uh, um, uh, so it'll it'll be able to operate as well. Um, you know, I've, uh, if you want to sit at the bar, my chairs are six feet apart. So, um, but that's that. that's not the focus of our business. So, uh, um, you know, and if you come with your wife, well, the the extra chairs are here. She can she's welcome to sit next to you. But um, for some people, it's important to see the visual that they you know we can keep everybody six feet apart uh, when they don't live in the same household and didn't come in the same car. Um, and uh, so that, that, that visual is there both in the bowlers area, uh, our lounge, all of our tables here are at least six feet apart. Um, so, um, you know, uh, but we, we have extra chairs if, uh, if people come together in a group, uh, they can sit together if they choose. I think this is fantastic news. I'm hoping that every other bowling center across the state is as excited as I believe you are to get this going. Um, hopefully people will listen to this and it will inspire them to, to get out here. So um, a few more things I want to ask. Uh, open bowling is a no-no right now. Is that correct? Well, it, it, it's no, not really. The, the order doesn't prohibit against open bowling, but, but what it specifically said was that we were able to be open for organized play. So we're going to, you know, 
my interpretation of that is we're going to have to do some work on the open play side of things. We're going to conduct that a little bit differently. Um, with league play, contact tracing is kind of readily available because we know what five people were on one and two. We know pretty much what time they got here. We know who bowled on three and four or five and six, those kinds of things. So we already have that data should somebody be infected and we need to contact other people. So for, for our non-league play customers, we're gonna be organizing that a little bit more to the point where we know who was here, we know what time they were here, uh, we've got contact information for them, we know what lanes they were on, what time they left. So um, that's, you know, we're, we're gonna be probably, um, you know, closer to a week behind league play before we really start to look at that piece of it. And part of it is, obviously, we don't know how many lanes we're gonna have on Wednesday night right now. So. Uh, trying to focus on that before we, we focus on the, the big picture, our league bowlers who are ready to go. Um, trying to uh, walk before you run. Yeah, exactly. So the rumors of no open bowling are not true. It can happen. It doesn't have to be organized like a league. You just have to be able to track it. Right. We're, I mean, basically, we've got to have some controls in place, and, and uh, so it won't sense. just be walk in, grab a lane, and leave, and nobody knows who was there. Um, but essentially, we'll, we'll have time set up where people will be able to bowl. So um, the governor allowed bowling alleys to reopen on the 9th. That was the, per her executive order. Are there any new executive orders that you know of that change any of what she announced last week? Yes, so um, I think it was Tuesday this week. She passed another executive order indicating that for organized sports, if you could maintain social distancing, you didn't have to wear a mask. Um, prior to that, so a, so a bowling center without a food service license, technically their bowlers in the bowlers area would have had to been wearing a mask until they were on the field of play. Um, that order basically made it so that if you can social distance in the bowlers area uh, during an, an organized sport, you don't have to wear a mask, which just helps to clear it up a little bit and even take the food service part of it out. Uh, even without a food service license, you can potentially bowl um, without wearing a mask while you're bowling and, and in, while you're sitting in the bowlers area. Um, obviously, she's asking that you social distance there. Uh, one thing that is going to be a little different for us is like a restaurant, when you come in, you got to have a mask on. If you're going to get up to go to the bathroom, to the snack bar, to the bar, to buy Kino at the counter, you're going to have to wear a mask. But we're, I think, you know, anymore we're kind of all getting used to that. And uh, so I don't, I don't foresee it being a, a big problem. Uh, when it was more, when it was uh, recommended versus uh, uh, a requirement, it was a little tougher to get people to do. But so um, most people, maybe they don't know, but um, my normal job, I work at, at uh, FCA Chrysler in Auburn Hills, and we went back to work like mid-May. We are required to wear a mask entering the, the building and, and uh, safety glasses. Um, we have to sanitize our hands all the time. And we've roughly got 1,500 people in the area that I'm working in right now. So for most of May, June, July, and August, and now the first week in September now, we have had three people that I know of that have tested positive for the coronavirus. 
and uh, they they were told you had to stay home for 14 days, self quarantine. Um, anybody that was in contact with them for more than 15 minutes within a six foot space was contacted, and um, they were not made to have to self quarantine because they determined that they weren't at risk. So um, the reason I'm telling the story is you come to the bowling center and you're bowling a league and you find out two days later that someone that you were bowling against had the coronavirus, there's a really good chance that you're not gonna have to do anything because you're social distancing here. You are not within six feet of them for more than 15, 15 minutes, minutes, which you told me yesterday, the health department told you it's actually longer than that. Yeah, in my conversation with the health department, they they it, it, they really made it sound like it was even it needed to be even longer than that. But but being conservative, the you know the the true mark is fifteen minutes. The, their real concern came when it was a, a much longer period of time. So, uh, being in close proximity again. Or if somebody now. comes up and sneezes on you or uh, yeah, coughs on you, they come up and sneeze and cough on you. <laughs> It's a little yeah. different, but if you think about how many times that really and truly happens in life, it's pretty minimal. Obviously, we've learned to sneeze and cough a long time ago, and obviously there's a considerable amount of heightened awareness. I think if anybody sneezes or coughs now, you know, everybody's oh, yeah. head's going to turn. Yeah. So uh, most of us are going to be pretty good about going out of our way to, to uh, well, be extra cautious when that when that event uh, arises. My experience at work was the uh, the first guy that tested positive, um, which by the way, uh, they're not going to tell you who it is. Uh, it's no, strict the, guidelines. You can't. Yeah, the HIPAA laws. You're not going to know who who tested positive for the coronavirus. Um, we could figure it out at work. We know who sits where and who's not there. But um, the first time that that happened, it was a little. Uh, I'll say a little freaky, like the bosses came through and said, okay, everybody's got to get out of the office. We're bringing in the hazmat crew. They're going to spray this guy's area. We don't want anybody to see whose it was. So um, everybody's got to leave. We're going to spray it. Well, come to find out the guy had had it for a week. So uh, it, in my mind, I thought it was kind of a waste of time to spray his area. But <laughs> um, hey, they were following the CDC guidelines. They're doing what they got to do. But um, the reason I'm, I'm telling these stories again is it, it's going to happen. People have to realize this is it, it's going to be like the flu. Somebody is going to test positive for it that has been here in the bowling center, and it's it's not going to be the end of the world. It's okay. We've had two guys recently that have come down with it, um, and they stayed home for 14 days. They had very minor symptoms, a runny nose. And they came back to work and everything's fine. It's um, the experience that I've had with this is it's it's getting you know time time will heal this. It's gonna get better, but people are gonna freak out at first when when something happens. And if you have to, if you guys have to call members of the league and say, hey, somebody bowled against two days ago, tested positive, they're gonna freak out. It's gonna happen. Yeah, I think, you know, with good hygiene, you know, and, and, and heightened awareness, you know, maintaining that social distance, washing your hands more often, utilizing the hand sanitizer that we've got at the front door, that we've got, um, uh, in, you know, just outside the bathroom doors, so that if you have to use a door handle, we've got some hand sanitizer for you. Just doing those, those little extras is really going to go a long way. Um, 
and, uh, and and I think that's what we're seeing. It's and it, it, you know it's it's when people let their guard down and uh, get out in large groups and of uh, especially large groups of people they don't necessarily know and that uh, you know I mean it, it can spread rapidly in the wrong environment. Um, so uh, that's why we created the the spacing to to allow people to do that, especially people that are more at risk. I mean I you know. Um, we, we want to create a space for them so that if they want to be here, they can. For sure. Yeah. And if, if those people that uh, want to bowl and they are at risk and they want, they want to wear their mask while they go up and bowl, they're more than welcome to do that. And hopefully everyone will understand that. Um, I have family members now who are choosing not to bowl because they're afraid of passing it on to other family members who are vulnerable. And I understand that. I, I have no issue with that. Myself, I want to bowl. So I'm going to be here. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. Hopefully uh, everyone else will as well. So um, what I would like to touch on next is uh, some high school bowling stuff because there's lots of questions about high school bowling could be delayed. It might not go. They might not be able to bowl. So uh, what you're telling us here today and what I'm seeing here in the bowling center is I'm getting a really good feeling that high school bowling is going to go. It's going to it's going to work. We can make it work. I know that you and Debbie have spoke with athletic directors, and you guys have plans. Can you elaborate on that? Right. Our our plan is is to conduct uh, the high school bowling season this year. You know, we've we've got word from MHSAA that the you know it could start early. We've got word that it could start late. Some of that was dependent on what they did with the fall sports. I think most of those fall sports are going to play now in the fall. But whatever it is in, in Flint and Genesee County, and in particular the leagues that, that we have significant uh, influence over, which is the, the Flint Metro Conference um, and uh, the GAC, uh, you know, we've spoke with, uh, with some of the athletic directors. The schools recognize that, that, that it's going to be beneficial for their kids to continue to be active in, in sports. And so they're looking for ways to, to, for those kids to be able to do that, obviously safely. Um, and and you know we we've got a playing field where we're confident we can do that safely. So uh, you know even for us in our conversation um, with one of the athletic directors who who is in charge of one of the conferences, you know we expressed our prior you know you know our priority for the the JV not to be uh, diminished and not to say well this year because of everything going on we won't do JV. We told them listen it's a priority for us to find a way to do it. We'll find the lanes. We'll create the opportunity to distance properly, and and you know they, again they express the fact that they're on the same page. They want those kids out active bowling and, and doing those things. It's it's good for for their well being, um, and uh, so what, you know one of the things uh, and what we're going to do is we start to set up the scheduling because we don't know exactly what the environment's going to be. Um, we're, you know, we're going to be prepared to, to have teams bowl on every other lane or every other pair of lanes, whatever uh, you know, the conference decides, which might mean that we, instead of having one or two shifts on Saturday, we might end up having to have four shifts of, of high school bowling in order to be able to fit all of the teams in on a given day. Keep in mind, you know, we, we've got more than 30 uh, high schools in Genesee County that are active with high school bowling. So 
uh, 30 boys teams, 30 girls teams, that's 60 lanes right there. And if we have to put a pair in between them all, that's 120. But um, certainly for my bowling centers, it's a priority. And if I have to give up my lanes all day on Saturday to be able to have high school bowling, well, that, that's what we're going to do. Um, it, it's one of the biggest priorities uh, that we have here. That you know, that's our that's uh, that's our commitment and and the part that we do to to get those. Uh, 15 championship banners we have out there, um, you know, we make it a priority and we'll continue to. So I'm pretty confident and I have a very good feeling like you, Rob, that, that unless something crazy happens in the next month, uh, we'll likely see a, a high school bowling season. I, I don't think we'll see a concourse full of parents. There, there will definitely be some kind of limitation on how many spectators can, can be here. Um, but, you know, the number one focus is having the kids bowl. We talked about, you know, maybe only six, uh, maybe only the top six bowlers were going to be able to be here on teams that have seven, eight or nine or ten. Um, you know, as a, as a bowling proprietor, I don't, I, I cringe when I hear that. But again, the, the priority is we need those teams to be bowling in competition. You know, we give away $33,000, $35,000 on average a year to graduating seniors for high school bowling. Of course, we generate a lot of that money from the spectators. That's going to make it a little tougher, but I'm pretty sure that my fellow bowling proprietors will find a way to make it happen. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, these kids are grooming, you know, a, a, you know, when I see, when I come in and I see those high school kids bowling, I see so many of them, you can tell they have a passion. They're, they're honing their craft. They, their intent is to bowl collegiate and uh, we, we don't want to have any of them get set back. Although I know even at the collegiate level, some strange things are going to be happening. And, uh, but if there's opportunities out there, we want these kids to be able to continue on after high school. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm pretty encouraged by it. In fact, I think uh, once things get going, like your, your normal leagues and things start to progress, I, I do believe that they're going to have regionals and state finals for bowling. I wasn't so sure of that two, three weeks ago, but um, from what I'm seeing and what's going on, I, I do think that that is going to happen. I know uh, Cody has told members of the MHSIBCA, quit worrying about whether or not you're going to have regionals or state finals and worry about whether or not you can practice in November and, and you can make a team that might be able to bowl a match in December. I, I understand that, but I do think that it's going to happen. I think you've got, you especially have things laid out, which means you're communicating with other proprietors and it's going to happen. Whether it's it's different, yeah, you're not, you're so a, a bowler might only have two guests that can come root them on, but so be it. I think that'll work as long as they can bowl. I think that's uh, that's a good thing. Um, anything else that you want to add to let people know about bowling, about your business before you start your league meetings next week? Um, yeah, there there was something that we we that I miss, but uh, I, I would like to thank those bowlers that, uh, you know, we, we had a, a rally in Lansing and um, uh, was one of the things the bowling proprietors did. Um, uh, the Bullflint Bowling Center bus uh, went there and shuttled proprietors from the local bowling center to the state capital. Um, and uh, uh, 
but it turns out what I heard was that uh, there was nobody in the building that day because they had had a case of Corona the oh, day before, no. and so they <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, and that's kind of what it seemed like. But uh, but really the you know we we also had the postcard campaign where. Um, we had postcards that bowlers could pick up and, and put their name and address and city on and mail to the governor to ask her to, to open up bowling centers and a tremendous amount of my bowlers came in and picked up those cards and mailed them and uh, throughout the state with my a lot of my friends in the business uh, we had put out more than 25,000 of those cards so if you can imagine what a stack of 25,000 postcards looks like at the governor's office uh, um, and it wasn't long after that that, that she started uh, uh, at least uh, indicating that she was willing to talk to us. We were pretty frustrated that, you know, we had a plan in place and, and on her desk way back in the beginning of April, but, but yet uh, all the way through August, we couldn't get an audience with her to, to uh, have a discussion to let her know we can do this. Um, just, uh, and if you think, you know, I guess one of the complaints, if you think about it, go to, go to Myers and stand in the frozen food section and watch how many people grab that handle to that door and open it and close it before somebody comes and cleans it. Uh, you know, if, the, if that isn't a, a concern, then, then how is it that uh, coming and, and bowling, um, we're, you know, we, we're in much better position to be able to uh, clean and disinfect and, and individually as bowlers, you know, uh, we're able to, to do those things. So. This is maybe a far-fetched question, but I've, I've heard some people talk about this, so I'm going to throw this out there to you and see if you got any ideas. Um, the coronavirus supposedly really only spreads in the air. What if I'm bowling against somebody and uh, we don't know it at the time, they had the coronavirus, and, uh, and, I, and I pick up their bowling ball to bowl by accident. Am I gonna get it? Only if you're touching your, your face, your, you know, your eyes, your mouth, your nose. So again, those extra precautions, utilizing the hand sanitizer when you, when you walk past it. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you know, at some point our hands are getting a little raw, but it, the fact of the matter is, if it's, it's there, it's convenient, why not? You, you never know. Sooner or later, we're going to touch something that's the, that has been exposed to it. Um, but, but it's then what happens after that. So it's, not, it's just touching it isn't the problem. It's what we do after that. So that, it goes back to that good hygiene. And, um, you know, here's the, the good news about this thing. If, if we learn and we get good at good hygiene and we use hand sanitizer a little more often and we just make sure we wash our hands often and keep them away from our face, well, that's going to cut down the flu virus transmission uh, significantly. Um, my guess is none of my employees will come to, to work this year with the sniffles because we're, we're all going to be afraid that, hey, wait, maybe that's the, yeah. the first stage. So again, I, I think we're probably going to have a pretty good cold and flu season. And, uh, um, but we can't take it for granted. I, you know, I know the governor warned uh, a couple weeks ago that um, you know, we're going to, you know, get your flu shot because we don't want the hospitals to get overwhelmed at the same time with flu patients and, and COVID patients. And I talked to a, a doctor from Hurley and, and basically she said the same thing. And uh, although in a much different manner than uh, uh, what the governor did, and, and it certainly convinced me to, to try to spread the word. I mean, uh, so one of the things we do here at Richfield is the last five years, we've had Rite Aid come in on a Wednesday 
and, and, and our bowlers uh, could get flu shots. And I'm going to talk to Rite Aid and see if they'll expand that a little bit and just try to make it easy. And, I, you know, I went to Rite Aid one time and got my flu shot there, and I, I think it took 45 minutes. It, it wasn't a lot of fun. Uh, when they come here to the bowling center, it, it takes me about three minutes. Um, so I mean, I didn't know you did that. Yeah, we we've done it the last five years on Wednesdays. So we've got big senior leagues on on Wednesdays. So we've got one one shift coming off at three o'clock, one shift starting at three thirty, and then our men's leagues at uh, and women's leagues at six. So uh, I'm going to talk to Rite Aid and see if we can expand that a little bit, and we'll try to do a little better job of promoting it. Um, just to, uh, again, you know, if everybody does their part. Um, uh, you know, hopefully we can have a good cold and flu season on top of uh, minimizing uh, the transmission of, of the corona. Last question. We're 40 minutes in, so this will be the last one, and we'll wrap this up. Um, you sent out postcards to all of your leagues. You were telling me before we started that you got these postcards back, and you're anticipating there being a, a drop in, in league bowlers. So will you elaborate a little on what you're, what you're seeing? Well, what what you know what we did on the postcard? Well, we sent the postcard with a letter, so the letter kind of explained those uh, the formats that we were talking about. Showed a little diagram of the spacing, and basically what we encouraged our league bowlers to do, if the, especially if they're on the fence a little bit, come to the league meeting, look and see, and we're going to hold those all on the concourse so that people can socially distance. Um, but look at how the, the layout of the concourse and the space that's available and, uh, and, and see if it doesn't make you a little more comfortable. And one thing, and this is really hard to do for a business person, but if, if you're not comfortable, I, I'm not going to twist your arm. I don't want you to be here until you are. But, but come and look at it and, and, uh, and, and make an educated decision because it'll also give you the ability, hopefully, uh, when you are ready, uh, to know what we can do because uh, you know sooner or later we're all gonna gonna move on in some capacity and and um, but uh, you know part of the the postcard was to say which ones of these options are you willing to do um, and then at the bottom we had a couple of options for uh, you know I'm not gonna bowl until there's a, a vaccine and uh, um, things like that so and and uh, I, I bet you I got 200 of those postcards back today and uh, there was probably a dozen of them that were marked, uh, you know, I'm not going to be back until there's a vaccine. I mean, uh, and, and we expected that. What we heard across the United States, uh, again, was that 20 to 25 percent of the bowlers aren't, aren't uh, going to be ready right now. So what we also are asking all of our leagues to do is to break their, their league this year into three sessions. Um, the first session would end right around uh, November 29th. Uh, the second session would end around February 14th, um, and obviously the third session begins the you know December 1st and and uh, um, February 15th. Uh, that way, as as uh, you know things change, if they get better and people are saying, hey, I'm more comfortable in November, we can get them back into the league. And you know my hope is that maybe by February 15th, that last session. Maybe we can be back to two teams bowling on the same pair of lanes, sitting on the same pair of lanes. But, you know, right now that's a little bit of a stretch. But uh, we, we're going to position our leagues to be able to do that. Uh, if something happens and we get shut down for a month, again, we'll, everybody will already know that the starting date for the next session is X. And uh, we won't have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, so we're, we're going to try to get our leagues to be as flexible as possible and focus on the big thing, which is being here, being able to be out with our friends and, 
and have some activity and some normalcy in our life and uh, um, not worry about the little things like uh, are we going to use a seven-point system or a four-point system and uh, you know how much prize money am I going to get uh, yeah. um, right now they're they're the least important things get so. out of the house and have some fun quit watching the news yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well I didn't know you were doing the three the three different sessions that's what you're going to promote um, so you're telling me like for example the Wednesday night men's league here has 18 teams let's say 14 of them decide to bowl starting the end of September here maybe two of those other teams that aren't bowling say hey we'll come back the end of November exactly. that's, that's what you're going to do that's, that's our goal Oh, that's cool. That's and, a great uh, idea. You know, to, to, to create an opportunity for, you know, as things change, as we know more, um, you know, we're, we're I'd that like to change the way leagues run forever. You <laughs> it know, could. It, it's something that years ago we recognized might be a big selling point for it those might. days when we're not full that, you know, if people coming to bowl in a league for 11 weeks in February might appeal to a lot of people that, uh, you know, diehard bowlers. We want to bowl 32 weeks. We, or you know, at least until we figure out we're in last place uh, on week 20. Uh, <laughs> then maybe not so much. But have you ever been in last place? <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> I, I've got a team that, that has won first place, and the same team has got last place in it, and that, it's in a 24 team league. That's quite a feat. <laughs> Whoa. Um, but we we figured out over time that you know we're here to socialize and have fun and and. Uh, Winning is fun, but uh, being together, I think, is more fun. And the friends we make, and the people we meet, and uh, I agree. Uh, yeah, winning's fun, but yeah, just just getting out and interacting with people is—that's uh, my draw. I found that out being stuck in the house for three months. That sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my boss called and said, "Hey, you want to come back to work?" I said, "Can I come right now?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of sitting in front of this computer. Uh-huh. Yeah, I found that out real quick. So, all right, I appreciate you sitting down with me. Hopefully, um, the last podcast that we did was the most listened to that I've had yet out of the 20. Uh, This one, I have a feeling, is going to be the most listened to because people are going to want to hear. They're ready. I know for sure the kids are ready. I'm I'm hearing lots of kids that cannot wait to get out and bowl, and to hear that they're going to be able to come open bowl is very, very encouraging. So um, hang on, people. It's coming. We're going to get the bowl. So I appreciate you sitting down with me. Thank you very much. My first mobile podcast. Um, I'll go home and uh, check this out, but I don't think I'm going to have to edit anything, and then I'll upload it so people can start listening right away. Um, Anything else to add? I don't have anything else. I I appreciate what you're doing, Rob, and and, uh, um, being the voice. And, you know, I've, I haven't listened to every single one, but the ones I have listened to have certainly been intriguing. And, and uh, so I think this thing is only going to grow. And, and we've got some exciting stuff that we can, as we move forward, uh, cover and uh, a lot of topics that will certainly come oh, up. So. Yeah, for sure. Yep, this will uh, be one of many of me sitting down with you. we got a lot of history to talk about, history of bowling here. Um, we just touched on a little of it the last time we got together. So. I know we can do this many more times, and I'm hoping once things get started that I can do this with like somebody who shoots their first 300 or something. Let's, I'll, I'll bring my, I mean, I live two minutes away from here, so <laughs> I can walk over here and say, hey, let's do a quick podcast. So I'm hoping that that happens. All right, 47 minutes in. Uh, we're going to wrap this up today. Uh, 
Friday, September 11th, 2020, and uh, let's hope in the next two weeks that we have bowling leagues back in action, especially right here at Richfield Bowl. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night.